A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs, and this is the best of uh, today's show. <laughs> this, this is this is, is. is enormous. <laughs> this is huge. Well, it's not. It's just another <laughs> podcast. Well, no, there's not another podcast that doesn't. Well, who cares anyway? You get the idea. <laughs> this is this, and it involved us once again having a bit of a chat about various things, and it also uh, involved Luke Moore, uh, book club host, who looked at his best books of the year. Um, and the Moose joined us from Doha. He's there for the World Club Cup. And uh, he, he's, he was telling us what he's made of the place so far. Mm. Of course, the World Cup there in 2022. And Chase the Pudding, a new sport for yeah, us. Yeah, new sport. from uh, it, was, it was in Weymouth at the weekend. So you'll find out more about Chase the Pudding. And uh, our bits, we did a few. Yeah, I said that already. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah I know because you're watching the cricket. That's yeah, why. Yeah, I, well, I could have said anything at the top of that. Live. It's just, it's I could have said anything at all. I could have said Andy. Uh, Andy came in naked today, uh, but he wasn't. I could see him just not watching the telly. Anyway, it's not your problem. You know what it's like with cricket. Just Here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. I thought it was a fascinating game last night. Was, yeah, Brighton yeah. played brilliantly for mm. 75 minutes. And then talk about a game turning. And uh, by the end, they were hanging on, weren't they? That's why, I mean, I was watching that last night. I'm watching him get that goal. Mm. And we know that Chelsea would like to try and bring Zaha in in January. Well, amongst others. Yeah, it was quite interesting. I mean, you're just trying to keep the price down, right? Oh, well, we've got th- others to see well, first. I think they will, because I think the price m- might be prohibitive. I think it's a lot of money. 85, what do you reckon? 80, 85 million? 80 quid? million for a 27-year-old. Three and a half years left on his yes, contract, exactly. didn't he? So they ring fenced him quite but, rightly. But you know, probably. apart from that one moment, and then after yeah. that, he ran about a lot. He was pretty, pretty heavy. I was on Wilf watch myself for yeah. obvious reasons. But that's, when you've got a player like that, mm. that's what they can do. They can just get yeah. you a goal and get you back in the game. Yeah. And it also proves why, why it would be such a loss for Palace. Really, yeah. I mean, oh, if no. they lost him. They've almost got to rack up enough difficult. points by the end of Christmas yeah, I thought they to missed, be safe. Yeah, I thought they missed and- Andros Townsend. They'll be fine. I mean, defensively, they they don't give away a lot, even to a team like Brighton no. who are on top of them. I think they'd be fine even without him. But, yeah, good side, Brian. He gets them playing good football, oh, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, lovely, lovely to watch. Mm. Yeah, not quite got that cutting edge. No. And they're not quite, I don't think they're quite up where Sheffield United are, but, but he hasn't He's had been much there, 10 less minutes. time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other thing about Zaha as well is, they were saying in commentary last night, you know, it'd be interesting, it would be fascinating, not for Palace fans, to see how he'd be at this stage, not like he was when at United, but to go and play for a team like Liverpool or City where he would get the ball, have the ball much yeah. more. I mean, Palace don't have a lot of possessions. No. So thereby, he doesn't get a lot of the ball. No, I think that's true. I think that's true. It was a very interesting moment in commentary last night where Bill Leslie said uh, he was training Sunday's game. He said, Jose Mourinho's Tottenham, meet Frank Lampard's Chelsea. It'll set you up nicely for the holiday season. I think, well, not for one of us, it won't. <laughs> one of us is going to be really One of us is going to be really miserable. miserable. Unless it's a draw. Well, that's true. It's a draw. Yeah, I'd take that now. Um, yesterday, our social media team mm. sent out uh, the little chat we had early on in the show yesterday where you were telling the story of how you brought the father of the bride mm. down yes. by um, by talking about Chelsea's yeah. defeat. And um, in response to that, somebody called Tommy Omelette commented on oh, the yeah. video. Did Tommy Omelette. Tommy Omelette. He yeah. said, I love that. Thank you. First time I've ever seen Andy. 
Always thought of him, and th- these are Tommy's words, not really? mine. Always thought of him <laughs> as six a, foot six. No, as a bit of a, a bit of a lardy like Brazil. I know Al's in the building. Mm. Not no, do with me, Al. Thanks. Imagine my surprise. He must just have a fat voice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, is this? I've, I've never heard of that. <laughs> I've never heard of. Never heard of such a thing. Fat have you heard, voice. Have you heard? Of, is there anybody out there you think's got a bit of a fat voice? Not really. Moose. <laughs> is it, the moose hasn't got a particularly fat no, he's voice. He's got a he? thin voice, hasn't yeah, he? Really? Yeah. I mean, quite, quite I, thin, I didn't really. know that is. That's yes. a thing. Well, I don't know who's got... You could say something like Barry White's got a sort of fat... The late, great Barry White. Had you a have bit a bit of a, of a fat voice. But you, you only say it because Barry was a big lad, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. I did enjoy last night, moving on from whether I've got a fat if you, voice If you're or a fan not, of uh, I'll take the, watching, I'll take the watching men sweat, then can, uh, there's a fantastic <laughs> thing on YouTube of Barry White playing the Royal Albert Hall in the 70s. And man... As who's a fan of man, that? Man, he had a dab on. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Under not, the hot theatre... I think Barry probably had a bit of a dab on just generally, really. Probably if he went bad. to the Ice Hotel on holiday. But, uh, yeah, he had a dab on that night at the Albert Hall it under can, the hot lights. It can't be as bad as George Benson being interviewed in the high summer in Mallorca yeah. by Lorraine Kelly on her programme. He's wearing a leather jacket and a polo neck sweater. Yeah. That was, I've never seen a man perspire He was more. properly sweating, was he? <laughs> he was. I just, I, when I saw, I saw George Benson many years ago, mm. and um, he, he was all kind of teeth and smile and, yeah. you know, guitar and mm, smart suit up front. But he wasn't... I was quite close. I, I, was, I was working, actually. So I was, I was kind of a couple of rows back. An Oscar Peterson. <laughs> no, I was a couple of rows back. Yeah. And um, he, had a, he had a problem with his uh, the, the sound level on his monitors on the yeah. stage. Mm. And, oh, man, he gave it to the bloke doing the, uh, the old he? mix at the side, yeah. Really? Oh, he the full Monty. It was like John Sitton. John Sitton playing Never Give Up on a George Good Thing. Best. He really gave it to him, like half-time in the, in the Orient Bring game. your mates and bring your dinner. <laughs> but, no, he's, he was not. He turned around, he'd smile at the audience, and then he'd yeah. F and Jeff to the side of the stage, not happy with the sound. Uh, we, uh, we went to see George Benson at yeah. the Albert Hall. We got tickets oh, really yeah. late on the, on the night. at the Albert Hall. Oh, yes. And, You're uh, listening to Talks. Sport, by the way, not uh, an old soul program. I was trying to talk about the Brighton fans last okay, night. Okay, you can come back to that. Or I come what back was to George, George doing? No, nothing other Sweating than. Sweating again? No, he did that thing where. He probably was perspiring quite badly, but he did that thing where he, every time he played like one of his old classics, like yeah. Nature Boy, one of those. Oh yeah, yeah. The crowd were up there. And he went, "Here's one for my new album." Then, oh yeah, well you get that, don't I you? Know, that's that's par for the course. You, you can't do that. George, can just you? play the hits. Anyway, Brighton fans talking of singing. Yeah, I re- <laughs> greeted um, Ben Teckey's flailing arm on Lewis Dunk with the, "You Dirty Northern So and So's," which yeah. I thought was quite amusing. You're clever. You're very yeah, clever, yeah, because yeah. they are further north, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they are. Thank you very much. Mm. Um, but difficult not to be really be playing in the sea, wouldn't you? Really, it's very true. Yeah. Now, I, I, unfortunately, I haven't got my list with me. That's have you good. got a list of funny bits? I've got a list that goes with all my cuttings, but the producer says he gave anyway. It to we'll me, start. Do you know anybody with a fat voice? Um, yeah. Who would you say has got a fat voice? Um, Talksport.com, text link ten eighty nine, tweet TS eighteen J. All we able to add to it is. Yeah, you know what? They probably have when you think about it. They have got quite a fat voice. Uh, Talksport.com. Well, I think Mr Kipling, he had a fat voice. That means he he didn't, Mr Kipling didn't exist. Well, no, he was, the, it's the a, actor who played him. Did, was he, uh, did he have a fat voice? I think he did. He was someone who just... He does Okay. He does sound like a bit like that. All right. All right, fair enough. Blimey, Mr. Zeitgeist, you are today, aren't you? I'm no better, really. Talking about Barry White in 1974. Anyway, we'll move on. You started. Um, I did start it. That's true. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on Talksport. Um, we were mentioning earlier on that uh, Johnny Omelet, lovely lad. Uh, I thought it was Tommy Omelet. Oh, Tommy Omelet. That's Johnny's his brother. I always get those two confused. Uh, Tommy Omelet. How did I remember that? <laughs> That's a good. Well, even Sockley mm. Park wouldn't have remembered that. Honestly, Sockley let me down. Tommy Omelet was listening to the station the other day. He saw a picture of Andy for the first time mm. and he said, I've never seen Andy before. I always thought he was uh, a big lad. He said, Imagine my surprise. He must just mm. have a fat voice. And we thought, uh, What is a fat voice and uh, we were asking people that have got a fat voice um, Brian Blessed has Brian got a fat voice would oh, you say has been suggested a very fat voice Survivor um, has come up with that Clarkson's got a fat voice yes he has got a bit of but he's not you know, he's a big he's a big man but he's not a he's not a particularly rotund legs. man he's a rather strange shape Clarkson Gary in Newmarket thinks Sean Dyche has got a bit of a fat voice 
No, gravity. I just, uh, gravity doesn't necessarily mean uh, fat, yeah. does it, really? No, not really. Uh, our old mate Crackers makes the point. about Tom Waits? If you'd never seen Tom Waits before, you'd think he was a big fella. No, I no? think he was Sean Dyche. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. Mike Parry, proper fat voice, says yeah, Tim. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's quite svelte these days, Mr Parry. Yes, yeah. that's true. Uh, Barry Glendenning is the fattest voice on radio. I don't know if that's from Max Rushton or not. <laughs> I know you make, yeah, but I mean, he's not. Yeah. He's, there's nothing of him, really, is there? No, really? he's very laid back there. Hey, he's, Paul and Andy. That's Bob Bobka. Oh, that's a very fat voice. And, and Bob, I, Bob, Bob is a, he's, mm. a, he's, a, he's a big man in every way, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, big, he's big, big boned. He's, he's big Bob Bobka. He's big Bob Bobka. He's not small Bob Bobka. <laughs> Joining us now, a man with incredibly thin voice. I mean, you, 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 I, I imagine Crouch, you want to hear him speak with his postcard from Qatar. <laughs> Marvellous. It is uh, the, the Moose, Ian Abrahams. Good afternoon, Moose. Good afternoon, boys. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Ben, enjoying your pictures on social media. Uh, yeah. You've been seduced, haven't you? You've been seduced by uh, by Qatar. You, you, you're all for it all of a sudden. Well... <laughs> I'd like to see some sunshine. I mean, you know, I thought it would be nice and sunny when I came out here. It's been raining this afternoon, so uh, some sunshine might be nice. But this is the, the stadium I went to this morning, which will host the semi-finals in three years' time of the World Cup, the Albait Stadium. It, it, it's, an, it's an incredible stadium, especially if you look at the air conditioning, how that works for both the players and also the fans. But I have to say that with the weather as it was today, they're not going to air conditioning. It might be heating. I mean, crikey, it's, uh, yeah. I, I'm outside the stadium now in, in the centre of Doha, the Khalifa Stadium, where Liverpool play Monterey tomorrow. Hmm. And it's uh, it's proper chilly, actually. Really? It's, and they will be playing They will be playing as late as this. The final mm. will be around the 16th, 17th, won't it? I'd I think rename least. it the Ken Bates Stadium. Yeah, so. that's a nice idea. But it will be this late, won't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it is winter time in, in, in Doha. It's funny, I got in a cab this morning. It was... Uh, it was fairly humid. It was about 24 degrees. And, um, you know, I opened the window and the, the, the taxi driver looked at me like I was absolutely mad. And I said, well, just turn some fresh air in. He goes, I'm cold. I said, really? I said, like, in the summer, he goes, oh, 43, 44. So it's half the temperature it is in the summer. So I wonder if he was cold. But, um, no, I mean, in all seriousness, people have been going on about the fact that the weather's going to be a, a factor. It, it, from what I've seen yeah. as I've been here, and, okay, it's due to get a little warmer, a little sunnier towards the end of the week. But so far, I've got to say, it's just like um, a summer's day back home. It was it was fairly cloudy all yeah. day. It was very humid, but it wasn't boiling hot. It wasn't like you can't go out anywhere. It wasn't like you had to stay in an air-conditioned room all day long. And it was, it wouldn't be certainly wouldn't be the case that the players couldn't play in it. I mean, they're, they're playing two matches tonight here at the Khalifa Stadium. One that uh, started about 15 minutes ago, the fifth and sixth place playoff. I mean, it's a fourth, third and fourth place are ridiculous. Fifth and sixth place playoff match. <laughs> Um, and then the there's point. one later, the, semi, the semi-final later uh, between Al Hilal and uh, Monterey. I mean, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be taking water breaks during these games. It's not that hot. <laughs> it's, not, it's not even it's not hot at all actually this evening. Okay. Yeah, so it's interesting as regards to the World Cup in 2022, and actually the Winter World Cup could be could be quite good. Um, now we've been talking about a world record today, uh, where a bloke ate eight custard creams in a minute. Something I think you could absolutely... eight custard cream biscuits in a minute. Did he have any? Did he help? Could water help it down or not? Was he allowed I to drink? I don't know the actual <coughs> rules of the no. custard you, you, cream uh, association. You would need to have liquid help. You need to have liquid help. I'd... I did try something like that. I thought, I, I, I can't remember which, which challenge it was now, a few years ago. I did on the, on the breakfast show, Sports Breakfast with Al. Mm. Um, and I thought, this is going to be a piece of cake, because, I mean, you know, it's not difficult eating biscuits. Was it a piece of and cake? It proved very problematic. Mm. No, no, <laughs> it proved very problematic. Okay. It, it just, it just kind of gets stuck in, 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 a, in your, um, your palate. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, if it's on a pallet. Now the thing is, mm. um, <clears throat> what we, we, we've been asked, we've been asked by the boss to set you some challenges. Yeah, while you're keep out you on your toes. They always, they always have a bit of fun with you in the World Cup when you do that, and you're very good at this. So, uh, so today's challenge is: can you find a custard packet cream? of custard creams in Qatar? <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! Uh, wow, I mean that that, that really is difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, I have, to be fair, I haven't been into too many shops um, that sell food like that. 
Yeah. Uh, but I reckon I'll, you'll I'll be. I reckon there will be a place. Yeah, for expats, there'll be a shop that sells food. He can circumnavigate. He can just ring Keezy or Andy Gray, can't oh, they? And they'll, point. they'll tell you where where where, yeah, uh, that's a good point, where it actually. all dwells. They'll, they'll find the expat shop. Don't Ke- do that though, Ian. We, we, we want to, if you can record something. <laughs> Keezy for might us. have a supply. Yeah. of <laughs> custard cream. He might have a whole garage full of custard creams, just waiting for the moose to turn up. I don't know. But if if yeah, if you could go in search of that, maybe record some of your attempts to put together what we call a package in Radio Land, as Rodney Marsh says. Um, maybe you could you yeah, no, could do that for us. I'm persona non grata with the keys and grey right now because I watched the... Uh, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's quite a long flight, uh, six, and, six and a half hours flight over here. Hmm. Uh, I, was, I was fairly tired after early start yesterday. I started watching the Palace Brighton game and while listening to... They're they're uh, under at half time, fell asleep. So uh, right. you know, I, I'm, I'm persona on grass at the moment. Really. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. um, so, sort of generally, what's the kind of vibe? Like? I mean, look, there's not a World Cup on, but I'm just interested to know what are your kind of first impressions of it as as a venue. You've been, you've been enough to a World Cups and European Championships before the event has got there to get a feel for a place. So, what are you thinking at the moment? So they have a lot of work to do in the next three years. I mean, you know, uh, most of Doha that I've seen today is resembled either A, a building site or, or, or B, a desert. Um, everywhere around the stadium went to earlier, where the semi-finals are, the Albate Stadium, that is just desert. It's pure and simple, just desert. Uh, and there is nothing there. There's not a hotel within, I would, I would estimate, at least 20 miles. And don't forget, both, both teams are going to have to try and find somewhere. So all four teams to take part in the semi-finals there. In three years, we'll have to find somewhere to base themselves ahead of their, their matches there, let alone all the supporters. Um, a lot of fans are here, a lot from uh, Flamengo, from Brazil. Uh, I'm looking at now outside the Khalifa Stadium, and there's a healthy walk-up for the, for the game, which is, all right, all right, it's just started, but more of the second semi-final, uh, or rather the first semi-final, which takes place uh, a little later this evening. So football is, is, is healthy here, and people you talk to about the World Cup know it's happening and are excited that it's going to be here in three years' time. It's not like you have to explain what it is. They absolutely know it's coming and, and, and they're excited about it. But there, there is so much infrastructure that needs to be put in place. Now, listen, it's, it's an incredibly wealthy part of the world. And you would think that they will get all the hotels built and, and all the restaurants built in time. But and it, it's, not, it's not a big place, Qatar. I mean, it's smaller than Wales. It's well documented. All the stadiums are within a probably an, an hour of the centre of Doha. So it's not like there's a whole lot of travelling needs to be done. But again, getting to the stadium I went to earlier, where the semi-finals are, there is no public transport. I mean, I'm about to use the, the metro. I'm going to go on it for the first time. But the metro is only in certain parts of Doha. and has only recently been opened. Um, before that, it, it had to be buses or, or taxis that you got round in. Um, so people are going to find it problematic, I think, in getting round unless more infrastructure in, in public transport is put in place. Uh, and they're probably going to find they're going to find it hard to, to find places to stay uh, as well because unless you bring your own tent, you might be struggling. But uh, I would say that there's a lot of work needs to be done. On the on the, on the plus side, though, it's a place that does want to put on a show for the world. Hmm. You can tell that just by speaking to the local people. But it's one thing wanting to do something; it's another thing being able to do something. And, and you have to say that. They, they have got an enormous amount to do in the next three years. Right, I have got you your own tent in. Yeah, we've got, right. you, can, you can take it with you. Uh, we'll catch up with you tomorrow, Moose. Thanks very much. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't do camping, okay? No. Two things I absolutely insist on are a bed, a bed and my own, and my own toilet facility, so I can't do it. I can't do it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Yeah, time for the book club uh, throughout uh, this year. We've been just sort of picking a book, sometimes a classic, sometimes a, a newish book, and just uh, having a plough through it, talking mm. about it with Luke Moore, who's uh, joined us in the studio, of course, from the Football Ramble and uh, the uh, uh, the game day preview show on a Friday here on Talksport. Good afternoon, Luke. Good afternoon to both of you. How are you doing? Good, thank yeah, you. We've decided good. today, though, to, to kind of... Because there will be some people thinking they need a last-minute gift for sports lovers in the family. So it's a chance to maybe look at some of the best books of the year. Yeah, I think so. I thought it would be nice to have a, a mm. kind of a little top five mm. that people still have time to ask for for Christmas. They're, asking, they're after gift ideas or to buy from some for someone else, of course, as well. And we've picked five from across a range of different sports um, for, for lots of different interests so it's not just going to be five straight football books or five straight cricket books or whatever now it's not just uh, you and us recognising the quality of these books many of them were shortlisted for sports book of the year that's right um, top and one of them actually won it so mm-hmm. maybe let's start then uh, with boxing and uh, somebody joined us in the studio during the, the run of the book club when yeah. we talked about one of his older books but uh, and he told us he was working on this book he did just finishing it at the time didn't he yeah we did we, I mean we spent 2019 pretty much doing Doing these, doing this, these books um, recommendations and, and reviews, and and one of the first ones we did was Dark Trade by Don McRae, and he, he was kind enough, as you said, Paul, mm. to come in and chat to us about his brilliant book. Mm. Um, his most recent book, which was shortlisted for this year's William Hill Sports Book of the Year, is uh, In Sunshine or in Shadow: uh, How Boxing Brought Hope in the Troubles. Uh, it's it's the story of um, Jerry Story, who was a trainer. Uh, and his experience of training both Republican and Loyalist boxers, um, including the great Barry McGuigan, of course, at the height of unrest in Northern Ireland, um, in spite of what would be quite dangerous mm, sure. um, personal uh, jeopardy he would face. Um, and um, it talks quite a lot about Barry McGuigan, talks a lot about the, the role that this gym played in this very difficult time in history. It's amazing how often boxing does have some sort of social effect like yeah. this. It's, it's something about the sport um, it's also <laughs> just reminded me because it's called In Sunshine or In Shadow there's a very famous football book called Soccer in Sun and Shadow have you yeah. ever read that by I Edward, haven't read it but I've heard Edward of it yeah. Gallion. it's the most romantic yeah. uh, poetic book about football yeah. Mm. You've ever seen, right? It's I was obviously. I mean, the, the relevance of this is it's a line from Danny Boy, and uh, maybe mm. Barry's dad used to get in the ring and sing, sing it, sing yeah. Danny Boy before uh, quite bef- emotional scenes before the fight. And I think yeah, I think was. it's a really important point that Andy makes, which is that you know we we hear about tragedy in boxing all too frequently, sadly. But one of the one of the popular refrains. Um, when when something tragic happens in the sport, is that you know this this is a sport that saves more people than it than it than it you know hurts yeah, yeah hurts so because because there are such there's such a good link between maybe people young men essentially who need to get their aggression out somewhere and maybe will go down a path of of, of being coming a near do well mm-hmm. and in fact they turn to boxing I mean Anthony Joshua the current heavyweight mm-hmm. champion of the world that's that's a, a, a story well trodden isn't it about, it's a discipline yeah. as well because yeah. you can't, when you box you can't just be going flailing you, you 
you will lose. Mm. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to have defence. You've mm. really got to think absolutely. Sure. And I think I think Don Don does a really Don does a really good job, as you'd expect from a, from a, from a, from a sports writer with such pedigree, of, of telling the story about this the, the, the troubles in Northern Ireland through the prism of boxing and the interviews, all the people involved. Um, he talks about how it's really a story of kind of triumph over adversity. I think because Barry McGuigan became a bit of a poster boy, didn't he, for, the, oh, yeah. for this kind of thing? Um, and you know, Jerry's story obviously trained Barry McGuigan. So uh, that's that's recommended. Uh, you'll find that, and of course, it, well, on Amazon, I suppose, when I just pick them out solely. But they'll, they'll turn, if you're Prime, uh, if you watch the football and you're still on Prime, even if you've got the rest of your month left for free, <laughs> yeah. you can get these turned around, get these books. And they should, very, by the way, they should, by the way, Paul, because it's currently only six pounds on Amazon. This book, oh, is it it's, really? it's, it's twenty pound um, recommended retail price, uh, published by Simon and Schuster. But currently, well, last I checked, it was six pounds on Amazon. So that is an absolute bargain. Mm. Okay. But most bookshops do discount, and as much yeah. as Amazon and do a good job it's important I think oh yeah look after your local bookshop I, I do if you think can. it is if, if you, you can if you yeah, can, yeah. yeah I, was in, I was in Hatchards on Piccadilly um, obviously because we're in London here um, just on Saturday and I picked up a couple of books as presents for a friend and they, they provide a free Christmas wrapping service so that's Beautiful. a great little, little bonus good. as well yeah, uh, yeah. let's move on to football and again a guest in the studio Jonathan Wilson uh, a very seasoned author in the, the world of football he's an eccentric uh, Jonathan isn't he there? oh he's yeah. great but the book, uh, the book was called uh, "The Names Heard Long Ago: How the Golden Age of Hungarian Soccer Shaped the Modern Game," and and yeah. it, it was. I mean, we know what uh, Hungary did to England back in the fifties. Yeah. That humbling, it, it was the game that shook the world, and he, he tells the story of, of Hungarian football. It's kind of politics as well of what yeah. went on around around uh, you know the, the, the protest there in the sixties. That's right. Regular listeners to Talksport will know and um, would have heard Jonathan's voice on on more than a few occasions. He, of course, does a show every week on my channel football ramble daily as well he does a greatest games thing where he revisits with a journalist um a great game from down the years he's very good at this kind of historical football writing and and sort of marrying up what it means for the wider society and this book the names heard long ago the full title is how the golden age of hungarian uh, soccer shaped the modern game it does a really good job of going beyond that influence that we know about in I think it was in 53 wasn't it the Mighty yeah. Maggiers and all the rest of it and talking about the influence they had on modern football in general now things like for example there was a lot of Hungarian diaspora because of the political situation in Hungary and all these people with these great football brains and they all went all over the world essentially influencing the game and just uh, just a, a list of countries where uh, the Hungarian influence has been felt over the years. Austria, Italy, Brazil, Argentina, France, Uruguay, Germany, and even the US. So he talks about the tactical innovations that Hungarian football created. Most famously, that kind of that way of playing against England at Wembley where they beat them in a way that had never happened before mm. with this tactical kind of style that not only was it just too good for England, England just didn't know what to do. They didn't even know how to deal with it. They couldn't even understand it. Um, and it covers, um, I think, roughly sort of between 1916 and then the beginning of World War Two in great depth about how these 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 individuals through sad situations would have to leave the country and go out and, and, and sort of influence the game all over the world. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, Hungarian football. football since then has kind of fallen off a cliff. Well, is it to do with it? Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he talked, yeah when, when he was researching it, he was coming into my office regularly and talking about he'd been over there. And, and one thing that seemed really sad was that, you know, seen these great scenes of amazing Hungarian achievement over the years, he would be visiting these stadiums and some of them, unfortunately, had, been fall, had fallen into disrepair and yeah. there just wasn't the wasn't the interest there or, or, or the pedigree that, that we've seen in the past so hopefully Hungary can can do something um, in, in the near future there to is a new stadium that. just opened I think in the last mm. week or so mm. if I'm, I'm right mm. cricket, golf and mm. uh, extreme climbing still to come in the, uh, the top five <laughs> stick around for the climbing because that's the a good one I'm telling you and uh, we've got the shortlist for the autobiography of the year the, the Telegraph orders has just come out so we may just give that a mention the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talksport, Luke Moore is with us from the book club. We're, we're trying to give you some late Christmas present ideas. The best five books uh, Luke has nominated of the year. This one was the winner of the sports book of the year. Uh, it's by someone again over the years who've been in to chat about his books. Uh, Duncan Hamilton, three-time winner of the award. Uh, his book that was a real, a real kind of niche book, mm. wasn't it? The Great Romantic Cricket and the Golden mm. Age of uh, Neville Cardus, the kind of godfather of cricket writing. 
Yeah, and first of all, I should say that I absolutely love Duncan Hamilton. I've never met him or worked with him or anything, but I'm a huge fan of his writing, particularly Provided You Don't Kiss Me, the story, the definitive story of, of Brian Clough. Jonathan Wilson, who we talked about a second ago, wrote a brilliant book about Brian Clough called Nobody Ever Says Thank You. But for me, Provided You Don't Kiss Me by Duncan is is, is brilliant. I think he spent a lot of time in the Nottingham Post. We've interviewed Duncan, and, and mm. the interesting thing about him is he can take any subject. So it's not surprised this book, I haven't read this book, but I'm not surprised it won because he wrote a book called Kings of Summer and it was a, just a book about following county cricket mm. through a season and you think well it doesn't sound like it'd be much but in his hands yeah. it was a wonderful book he's yeah, a brilliant yeah. talent he's a brilliant mm. writer and this this book The Great Romantic is about Neville Cardus who was the great I mean, I'll be honest cards on the table I'd never heard of Neville Cardus right. but a bit before my time you know, yeah. the, the Cardus inter- is on the table <laughs> <Actually, it's a laughs> <bit, laughs> yeah, yeah Cardus on the table <laughs> we didn't really get to say that but it was a you guys were doing this show in the interwar period <laughs> well, of course we yeah. were that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he um He's, he, he, he's, he's a guy who, according to Duncan and, and to, to many others more learned than myself, has been been given the the, the title of um, inventing the craft of sports writing as almost a high art rather than mm. just straightforward reporting. This is what happened. Now, of course, cricket is a sport that lends itself particularly to this this flourish, doesn't it? Mm. But presumably because you've got quite a lot of time on your hands when you're watching a cricket match because yeah. you go through long periods of not much happening, particularly in those days. Um, but what Duncan does is um, sure cricket fans. Don't that, but you know what I mean, though. It's like a passive thing to watch. Watch, isn't yeah. it? It's not. It's not like hundred mile an hour all no, day, is it? It's an eight hour. Yeah, yeah, I'm not criticizing cricket. I'm, I'm a fan of it myself. But yeah, yeah. but what Duncan does in this book about Neville Cardus is 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 talks about how not only did he change sports writing forever, but also talks about the man behind the sports writing, and he, he, he kind of creates him as and 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 describes him as a man that perhaps you wouldn't quite expect. This is a contemporary of someone like P.G. Woodhouse. You know, he's very much of that type of yeah. flourish of writing. Mm. Yet at the same time, his background was very, very much what you wouldn't expect. I don't want to give too much away, of course. But he also set out Cardis to try and. Um, educate people and get people into cricket in a way that they perhaps wouldn't have in the past he said himself you know I wanted to write for people who didn't know a leg break from the pavilion cat at Lords um, <laughs> and he became he became like a star in his own right um, 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 Neville um, with his with his um, his kind of disdain for statistics and his in his penchant for musical mm. um, um, allusions because he, he was a, mu- a great music writer as well of course oh, right. a big fan of classical music as well so uh, a fantastic book rightly given this award I mean I, I, you know, I'm not He's on the, the panel third, but it's the third Third time he's won it, which yeah. is some achievement, yeah, really. So it's pretty and, uh, good going. If any, of, that, if any of my relatives are listening, I'd, I'd love this book for yeah. Christmas. Oh, there so. we are. Yeah, uh, and it, yeah. So get down the bookshop. I think he um, was looking at you, Paul, when he said that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've read the next one, and Rick Riley, the author, was in the other week. He's a, yeah. a brilliant writer. Wrote for Sports Illustrated for many years. Again, this was shortlisted for Sports Book of the Year. Uh, it's called Commander in Cheat: How Golf Explains Trump, and uh, it's a very easy read. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and do you think there's a, there's a, there's a a distinction to be drawn, like a comparison to be drawn between how people behave on the golf course to how they behave right. in real life. That's because Rick point, certainly that's does. That's the point he makes. The yeah. point he makes is really, you know, how how golf explains uh, President Trump. That's mm. that's certainly through his eyes. He's played golf with him. Mm. He's known. Donald Trump for a long time. Uh, he's a very funny man as well yeah. as a, a brilliant writer. Yeah. He's a very it's funny that he's engaging bloke. You don't really have to. You haven't really got to be a, a big golf fan or particularly interested in American politics to get something out of this. You only need a kind of cursory knowledge of Donald Trump and his background, yeah. and, and likewise a cursory knowledge of golf yeah, to I'll, enjoy I'll, this book. It's very funny. I would be tempted to say a couple of things. One is that for, for someone who's known Donald Trump for a long time, he doesn't seem to like him very much. <laughs> and, and secondly, I'm fairly certain he doesn't know him now because if Donald Trump knows oh, yeah. about this, I mean, this is a man who. Who, who Rick Riley calls a first-class cheat? Yeah, and I thought <laughs> well, he's my played opinion... him a few times, and Donald's tr- cheated every time. Yeah, so right. That you know, he's got first-hand experience of, of being cheated. Mm. The, the Times review of this book um, says the following: I thought my opinion of the forty-fifth president could not get any lower. I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, but it's, it's 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 not. Who would have seen it coming? It's with not, the don. It's not kind of hatchet job. It's 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 a very funny book. Uh, I do recommend it. It's a lot of fun. So uh, that's one for the perhaps. Yeah. I mean, the, the golf fans out there. But you said you don't really. No, need to you be a don't. Golf it's fan. just it's it's just a good bit of sports writing. Really. And you it's could just, sit in front of the, sit in front mm. of the fire on, on Boxing Day and read this cover to cover and have a good time. I mean, yeah, I think it's the first, yeah, I mean, the first four you, authors that we've talked about are all excellent yeah. writers, and so yeah. they happen to be writing about sport. Yeah. 
but they were good books. And yeah, good yeah. Now, this one I've not read. Uh, I know a bit about... Uh, I've seen the TV documentary. It's called yeah, Alone on the one. Wall. Tell mm. us about this. Yes, yeah, so Alex Honnold is, um, as far as I understand it, one of, if not the best climbers uh, in the world. Uh, and in uh, a couple of years ago, he was the first person to free solo Al Capitan. Now, Al Capitan's a 3,000-foot piece of granite sheer piece of granite and he free soloed it which means that he did it without anyone else and without any ropes or safety equipment it's never been done before nothing ever close to it's ever been done before and if rock climbing was as popular as you know one of the mainstream sports here he would be the you know the you know, whatever you want to say the tiger woods of, of, of rock well, what climbing. would i say to him if he came in this gym? <laughs> what you'd say what's the point Andy? yeah he probably would this is this but, is pretty awesome so thing the, to do, isn't yeah it? it's, a, it's an amazing achievement just the the physical and mental um ability you would need to even attempt it is is ridiculous um and this book it's a bit of a cheat of an entry but i'll, I'll explain why this book came out a few years ago, Alone on the Wall, Alex Honnold and the Ultimate Limits of Adventure, because he, he wanted to write a book about um, why he did it, maybe answer a few of Andy Jacobs' questions about yeah. the point of it, and then talk about um, uh, talk about you know how it how it's how it's done. Now it was re-released in November last month because there was a, an Oscar-winning documentary mm. called Free Solar by Jimmy Chin which was is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And it was such a successful movie that they re-released a book with some, two updated chapters about the free solo attempt and completion of El Capitan. So if you're interested in a real high-quality athletic achievement where you can just go, wow, it's almost a bit <clears throat> like reading the Guinness Book of World Records, <clears throat> but just about rock climbing, <clears throat> then this is the book for you. It's a fantastic account by a really fascinating guy, a kind of guy who came from a different background to most of us, who has a slightly different makeup to his brain, which means he can overcome fear a lot more easily than most people. And he's a, he's a physical specimen like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it took him three and a half hours to do that um, climb. And I believe it takes some people literally days to do it, where they have to camp on the wall overnight and all the rest of it. He did it in one go with no ropes um, in about three and a half hours. A ridiculous achievement that's never, ever been attempted and never been close to being done before. Wow. Fantastic. Okay. Under eight quid. £7.19 on Amazon, that, if yeah. you want to pick up a, a copy of that one. Should in we just back. reiterate the titles? Yeah, we can do very quickly. So the top five, uh, if you were picking one out of that, would you, if, if, there was, if you only buy one book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I quite book? feel, I feel like annoying Andy, so I'd probably say the last one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but all of them are great. All of them are great. So yeah, yeah sure. Sunshine and Shadow by uh, Donald McRae. Um, How the Golden Age of Hungarian Soccer Shaped the Modern Game. The name's heard long ago, Jonathan Wilson. Great Romantic Cricket and the Golden Age of Neville Carlos by Duncan Hamilton. Commander in Cheat, our golf explains Trump by Rick Riley, and alone on the wall, Alex Honnold. Uh, so, just a quick one: they've uh, announced the long list for the autobiography of the year, and on it are Alastair Cook, Sam Warburton, Enya Luco, Mark Bright, James Anderson, Tyson Fury, Michael Owen, Jason Plato. Uh, also, you uh, like the Mark, Mark Bright one, didn't you? Emil Hesky, I loved. Yeah, Bryce's mm. book was great. You came in and talked to Jeeva Mentor Leap. Jeeva came oh, yeah, in as well. She was British. Uh, yeah, I talked to um, player. I talked to Emil about uh, even Hesky scored. That was good. That was a good book. Yeah, the, t- book. the title is, ama- is amazing. Yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Andy, what do you have for us? Well, it's a note from last night's game that uh, the Homesdale, which is of course a fantastic end, and they make a great noise. Yeah. But like all football fans, when, when it wasn't going particularly well and Brighton were dominating, they went, they went a bit quiet. Mm. But they have a fellow, if it does go a bit quiet, he's got a, a fellow. A fellow. Oh, okay. It's not a fellow. <laughs> it's, gonna say, it's interesting. <laughs> they have a That's bloke. It would be great to have someone as a fellow there. Marvellous. No, they have a bloke yeah. who uh, has a loud hailer. Oh, yeah. And he orchestrates the singing. And I was thinking, to improve the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge, I'd give one to every home fan. So we've all got a loud hailer. God, that would get annoying, yeah. though, wouldn't it? Yeah, I suppose it I would imagine be, yeah. you complained about the bloke next to you with his loud hailer. That wouldn't be a good idea, <laughs> would it? No, it wouldn't be ideal. Yeah. And uh, Aaron Moy, I've decided, is, and I don't mean this as an insight, it's really a compliment, but he is the poor man's Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, OK. It's a really similar player. I think most players would take that, I think yeah, I'd take that. It's, <clears throat> yeah. it's good, really. So uh, there you go on that. Um, I had a note about... 
Stop Sockley, rather. Stucky, you keep calling Stockley. him Stockley Park. He's your friend, and I you, know, you keep Sockley. getting it wrong. I was thinking, I mean, he was pathetic yesterday. He got one out of five. It was a bit of a disaster. But I think yeah. it was good that it was him that got five out of five and not me, because <clears> we always <throat> said that if, it, if I ever got five out of five, it would yeah, be over. It would be over. So uh, that, that seems fair enough. Just want to thank uh, Peter Howe. He wrote to us. He sent us a... Um, Howe. Howe. I can't he sent, us, he sent us a, a Christmas card and a little letter as well. Oh, he lives in a lovely Mar- letter. lives in Mauritius these days, and he keeps in touch mm. via the podcast for a bit of a taste of home. Big mm. Chelsea fan. So, uh, anyway, Peter, really appreciate your letter and your card. Have fun over there in, in Mauritius. And, uh, yeah, keep it talk sport. Of course, he listens in mm. from all that uh, way away when he can. That's good. Now, we were trying to get in touch with Speedo Mick today. We will try because uh, <laughs> Speedo Mick is a, a, name, a, a charity. He's an Evertonian charity uh, mm. fundraiser. And he's walking from John O'Groves to Land's End currently mm. uh, to raise money uh, for a number of charities. And um, he's doing it in his Speedos, hence big Evertonian, Speedo Mick. And we thought, two birds, one stone. We'll get Mick on to have a chat about what he's up to and, uh, and mm. hopefully uh, hopefully put some details out for him. Um, uh, just go to at um, uh, Speedo Mick uh, on Twitter and all the details are there. If you put it in, you'll find his Just Giving page. And it's his birthday today, so if he is able to pass on our birthday wishes to him, he's decided not to have the day off. He's walking. But the last time we spoke to Mick on the show uh, was back in 2016. And uh, the producer did a, a search on his computer to find Mick's details. Mm. And in doing so, turned up a bunch of stories from that era <laughs> that we'd not done. Okay. So I think one or two we did. But um, yeah. So Speedo Mick was on the list and oh, we yeah. tracked him down and had a That's chat at good, the time. Yeah. And these were some of the other stories we either did or didn't get round to. This, right. is the, this is the short list that we put into the producer on a regular basis, <laughs> claiming it's sport. <laughs> Britain's, brig- Britain's biggest carp has died. Oh, I mean, bright. is it too soon? I know it's three years ago <laughs> it's now. It's quite sad, really. <laughs> um, Plymouth-friendly postponement... He's probably be- caught about a thousand times. It probably has been, yeah. Put him out of his misery. Catch and release. Uh, Plymouth-friendly postponed because the police were at a butterfly show. I mean, I'm sure I would have remembered that <laughs> I don't story. I remember that either, no. Yeah. Um, mm. Ashrita Furman broke world record for walking with a lawnmower on his chin. I don't think anybody. On his chin. Yeah, he's got a lawnmower <laughs> on, on his chin. Everybody, um, he's some kind of Jimmy Hill figure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's, 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 a, he's a record breaker. Everybody has taken it on since uh, charity rugby was match. It sort of, was it a chin shaped lawnmower that he uses to cut the grass? Who sells a chin shaped? <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm looking for twenty grand for thirty percent of the business for my new chin up, chin face lawnmowers. That's why I'm out. You want twenty five grand of my family? his money etc um, exactly. charity rugby match in St Ives mm. where every single player was called Stevens mm. yeah um, I, I think, think we, we did, did that, that we did. One, yeah. Rod Stewart's son plays ice hockey I think we may have alluded to that yeah okay. uh, a bloke is still crawling round the marathon route in a gorilla suit six months after it's ended <laughs> well, apparently fair enough really. um, but that would have been for a has good has he course. finished yet um, I don't, don't know. Uh, okay. Paul wants to chat to uh, Danny Cowley to say, well done. Well, didn't I get that right at the time? Wasn't I on to something there, Huddersfield fans, yeah. or three years ago? Sam Warburton blended a chicken dinner. Uh, a chicken dinner up. Is that a good idea? So blend... Oh, yeah, that's right. He put a chicken dinner in a blender and liquidised it, did Sam Warburton. The, Why? Uh, I don't know. We'll try and get him on and find out. <laughs> What's he doing Christmas Day? We'll go around for this is a bit turkey right. smoothie. Occasionally, we give the producer everything he needs. But in this case, we mm. said Danny Rose has been playing some kind of party game. <laughs> that's not much. I don't know. He probably Googled it. He spends a lot of time on Google, does Danny. Yeah. Uh, former Manchester United player Dong has had plastic surgery. Really? Where? I, don't, I dread to think. <laughs> I dread to think. Um, yeah. Uh, Professor Robert Winston has gone to war with Lewisham Council. Why do we ever think... Was it sport-related? Why do we ever think that Must was worth been, yeah. doing? Well, uh, we'll ask his uh, son. We know his son. Um, yeah. Um, that, that's a bit of a dark story. Someone called Colin has had a trial with Shivas in the MLS. I did get to the bottom of that. Yeah, yeah. I know one of the guys involved with Shivas oh, right, over okay. there. Um, Canvey Island wants independence. Mm. And we wondered what made Canvey Island could play in the Didn't World we used Cup. To do a special report on Canvey Island, the football team, every week. Did we? Way, way back. Was it Canvey Island? Yeah, I think it was, sure. yeah. 
We all got okay. quite excited about Candy Island. And finally, Chris Duggan turned up for a chess... I don't know who Chris Duggan is. Chris mm. Duggan turned up for a chess tournament in shorts. Everyone took the mickey. He left. That's all we've got. So they were the, some of the stories yes, well, we like did or one. didn't it's, do it's back good. in 2016. But do go and support uh, uh, Speedo Mick and his, uh, and his venture because this time of year up in Scotland, it's bitter. Oh, it's cold. It? And he's walking yeah, yeah. from Scotland to... To Land's End in his speedos, his Everton speedos. That is amazing. We will try yeah, and catch up with him later effort. in the week if we can. Uh, now, a lucky escape for a guy. Thank goodness he was all right. A driver who blew himself up in his car after he sprayed air, fe- air freshener around <laughs> and then lit a cigarette. Yeah. Which is a fairly stupid thing to do. It's, it's, it was this, yeah, he's okay, is he? He's okay, yeah. It's what Glenn would call the Darwin situation. A, yeah. A witness uh, <clears> spoke. Can I get a witness? It, said that the bang was enormous. Unbelievably, the driver just climbed out. That witness was called Craig Chew Molding. Which isn't what your dog does. Yeah. <laughs> I think Labradors do that. Craig Chew Molding. Chew Molding. Yeah. It's a double barreled name. Chew Molding. We enjoyed the um, human tempin bowling played by yeah. Ashington Rugby Club. We seem not to want to talk about it. I think they're a bit embarrassed that it's all come out. Well, I mean, look, everybody but, was a willing participant, weren't they? It was a typical rugby club thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks ridiculous. I that's, mean, they, they basically soaked the floor. If you haven't that's seen Harmy's it. part of the world, isn't yeah. it? I mean, Harmy may have, may, may have been guest of honour. I don't Har- know. I think that is Harmy. Do you think that's yeah. Harmy? Do you think that's <laughs> I <recognize> Harmy? <laughs> you, you, what, what do you recognise? Because well, you can't really see his face that clearly. The thing, I know it's Harmy because the first one they did him and he went way wide of the pins. Oh, <laughs> hey, 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 come on. He'll have you for that. <laughs> Definitely. No, no. So basically what they did, they soaped down the floor yeah the competitors the contestants were fully naked yeah they were yeah. absolutely not a stitch it's on a fairly unfortunate angle which which yeah. they're launched at really and the chair it's very true and the chairs are the pins so it's a fairly mad thing to do but, yeah, but you know, very very uh, rugby club heartland three quarters of londoners are not impressed by the london eye and you can include me on that I, I, you don't I'm like the, the london eye disappointing thing it looks all right from the outside but when you go on it it's a massively disappointing experience. What, what, what were your expectations of it then? Do you want it to go quicker? I'll tell you why. Yeah, I'll tell you why. It's not, nothing to do with the speed of it. Yeah. You know when the reaction people get when they walk in here? They walk into the studio, they see the view from the 17th floor. I'm sure you've heard about this view. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you've been Ad listening to for the last nine months, you'll have heard it about a million times. But it is a beautiful view. Yeah, it's a great view. Yeah. And people go, wow. Yeah. That's a great view. But when you're in the London Eye, you, you, it takes you so long to get to that point that you're going... Whoa! Like that, do you know what I mean? Rather than wow, which is what a view normally has. You think a view is all about instant impact? It's not a slow I, burn. I very much so. Yeah. But the, the point is, you get different views, don't you? As you kind of as you arc over. Would you, you like to have really. been bigger? Would you like to have basically to have left the Earth's atmosphere? <laughs> Was that the plan, really? Just as you were in deep space. I like it on New Year's Eve. It's good. You're a hard man it's to good please. As a it's good as Capitan with no ropes uh, or going up on a, on a big wheel in the centre of London. Yeah. You are a hard man to please. I am. That's very true. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, I'd quite like to have seen John, former speaker John Burko on Italian Haven't you seen television. it? I've seen a bit of footage. Where he shouts Federer in the style of his, you know, his famous order, you know, thing. Yeah. what a strange thing to do. He was doing, he was doing he was it in Italian. He was doing it, oh yeah, presume he was paid. I mean, that's yeah. probably going to be quite a lucrative little tour. Yeah. Spanish, Italian, Italian. Does he, Italian, speak, does he Italian. speak Italian? No, no, no. Oh, he just okay, shouted okay. order in Italian, which I think oh, is right, all Dine okay. from what I okay. uh, seem to see Tra- on a little Tra- viral clip. Troy Dine. Troy Dine. That's what he shouted, yeah. <laughs> well, well done But yeah, that's, he's going to go on a fairly lucrative tour. I imagine he'll be in the States when he's doing a lot of yeah, that. He was probably so. the most high profile speaker that, that we've had for a while. That is very yeah. true, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Now, Andy, have you ever chased the pudding? Knowingly, <laughs> have you ever done that? No, you've, you've never done it. No, I, I, I quite like to. It sounds like a lot of fun. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you, this kind of Christmas party season, uh, I'm sure a lot of it goes on. But there was one big event yesterday uh, down in uh, not Sunday. Sunday, I keep saying that. Well, I think it happened yesterday. Maybe they reran it yesterday. Happened <laughs> on uh, Sunday, where in Weymouth they chased uh, the pudding. Uh, should we find out exactly what it is? Yes. Okay. Uh, from the Will McInnes Trust, uh, Pam Govia joins us. Pam, good afternoon. 
Good afternoon. Can I just uh, say this year we actually had two puddings we were chasing after, one male, one female. So this year that we've actually had a separate male and female pudding. It's very woke. Ooh, that's, very that's woke if you're on the pudding you've front. You've got it these days. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so two puddings were being chased by two separate Santas, is that right? Uh, no, not just two separate Santas. We had over 180 adult Santas who were chasing after the pudding. We start off on the beach at um, the pavilion end of Weymouth. First of all, they have a warm-up with Gina Hartley, and then uh, the puddings set off, and then the Santas all chase after them. They run 5K up to Green Hill and back again, and then whichever Santa beats the pudding, they're the pudding next year. Wow. Ah. So do they have a start? Do they give the pudding a start? Yeah, we give them a bit of a start. So basically the pudding starts, and the um, uh, Santas just have to walk along until they get the flag, and then that's it. Right. That is their race. And it's harder to run, isn't it, in, uh, as a what? Santa than as a pudding? It's, yeah, it's hard to run as a Santa, and it's hard to run on the sand and the pebbles as well. It's hard to run as a pudding, though, Andy. You're, a, you're, a, you're in a pudding suit. I'll tell you what, you do the London Marathon next year, one dressed as Santa, one in a pudding costume, and see how you get on, see what takes you, you will, longer. You know, I'll take it the people in the pudding outfits... Um, are, are decent sort of club runners, are they? People that, that know what they they're doing. They tend to be. Yeah, yeah. they tend to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, there she, there she is. Look, in, I wonder in, when they were so in Her Olympic... legs are, are unencumbered. The pudding is, yeah. you know, sort of... Oh, OK, so it's not like yeah. a big, massive pudding. No, 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 no. Ah, OK, ah. it's almost like a pudding outfit. Yeah, it's not an actual pudding. I saw them in a, like, of a massive fiberglass kind of <laughs> like a mascot's outfit, <laughs> as a giant, like going running as a giant pudding. It's for charity, this though, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's for the Will McInnes Trust, which was set up ten years ago, um, and we do fundraising for uh, so they can do water sports, so access, windsurfing, sailing, paddleboarding, and mm. also we do um, swimming lessons for the secondary age pupils who can't swim 25 metres yet. Because, oh. of course, if they can't swim the 25 metres, they can't go on and do the windsurfing. They can't yeah. do the paddleboarding. Um, and it's such an important life skill. If they can't swim, you know, it makes things very difficult, especially living here. Well, were you they, they, back in the day, mm. of course, where you go off for swimming lessons at school when you were much younger and it yeah. was a kind of compulsory. So is that not the case anymore, Pam? We're finding people that... <laughs> Yeah. It's it's supposed to be like that, but with the primary schools being so full of other things they've got to fill in, they find it hard to get down to the pools and everything, and it takes a whole morning, and the primary schools have got to fit in other things they've got to be doing. So you can understand in a way, hmm. but actually every primary school should be, I believe, yeah. every primary school should be enabling the pupils to swim 25 metres by the time they leave. But as I say, with the demands of everything else, it makes it much more difficult. Yeah. Who came up with the idea for Chase the Pudding? Oh, that was Mark Steen back 11 years ago. Mark Steen is um, the events organiser for Bust and Skin. And originally what happened was that he did some fundraising to get, I think it was syringe drivers for a hospice or something. I can't remember exactly. And then after that, he used to give over the event to a charity for three years. Mm. And then six years ago, I think it was, he said, oh, Pam, would you like to have it for three years? I said, yes, please. That'd be lovely. And then after the first year, he said, oh, we're going to give it to you forever. So oh, wow. fantastic. So yeah, so nice. brilliant. Who, who won? Who, who the men and women who, who will be the so, puddings next year? So this year, the people who won were Harvey um, Wood and um, a young girl called uh, Jade Brown. Okay. okay and they'll be, they'll be the puddings hmm. next year. Yes, hopefully. I, yes, hopefully they'll be able to make it on the 20th of December next year. But we also had Chasey Elf. Um, it's elf, something okay. we introduced mm. three years ago, I think it was, where it's for youngsters under 14, and yeah. they just run the, t uh, they run the t uh, 2K up from the pavilion up to the pier and then back again. Oh. And that was won by Jack Pearson, who's going to be the elf next year. Mm. OK, well, maybe out of Christmas, it's been suggested by Danny in Hearts mm. that maybe we do chase the moose. We have a presenter here <laughs> called the moose. That's a good idea. And uh, you could put him in a moose costume. I mean, I don't <laughs> think he'd be difficult. He's not what you'd call a, a top club runner is he I don't think no. he'd be difficult to chase down but um, but we'll put that to the moose especially he's wearing flip flops he's in Doha at the moment uh, All right. working his well magic. that ties in with what somebody said to me on Sunday they said what we should do is have a race for people who aren't the club runners etc yeah. who just want to walk it so mm. maybe we should go down that path now. yeah that's, that's a, a good idea yeah. walk, walk after the moose that's, <laughs> yeah, a, good that's a good idea yeah right. that'll be good the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. I, the moose, I think, is going to not find it difficult to get custard creams, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see.
Tomorrow's challenge is I'm getting to find a kosher butcher's. Okay, yeah, it might be tougher. <laughs> um, okay, we'll leave it there. We're back tomorrow from one. Thanks for downloading us, as always. You're still watching the cricket. I am, yeah. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.